You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This Memorial Day, we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. In for Payne and Pendergast, here's Brandon Scott and Adam Spillane on Sports Radio 610. It ends tonight. Finally ends tonight. And I'm actually grateful for this because when it seemed like when it seemed like the Miami he had a pretty good chance of sweeping the Boston Celtics, or at the very least, making light work of them, getting rid of them in short or, uh, short order in the Eastern Conference Finals on their way to the finals. I was a little sad about it because Hey, man, I'll be honest. I like this time of year. I like NBA playoff basketball. I want to watch as much of it as I possibly can. And look, man, the Denver Nuggets made light work of the Los Angeles Lakers, and so they have a long time to rest. They swept those guys. So I I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want to have to go that long without basketball. So I at least appreciate the Boston Celtics for rallying and making it be the case that we'll find out who's the Eastern Conference representative in the NBA Finals tonight. I'm glad for that. We will find out one way or another. But yesterday, bring it back local, and for the Houston audience, yesterday was a special anniversary, really depending on how you look at it in Houston sports history. It is, on the one hand, when the Rockets blew a 3-2 series lead in the Western Conference Finals against the vaunted Golden State Warriors. And, you know, subsequently, the Warriors won another title, and the Rockets have not really been that good since. But the five-year anniversary of losing Game 7 of the 2018 Western Conference Finals therefore losing the right to go to the NBA Finals that year and face the Cavaliers. Five-year anniversary was yesterday. A couple of days before that, let's say actually four days before that and two games before that set the stage for what ultimately was the Rockets' demise. And if you don't remember, it sound a little bit like this. Coming up on a minute remaining. Rockets by one. Shot clock to five. Paul guarded by Cook. Paul on the spin. Rebound, lead. 50 seconds to go. Chris Paul is down. Chris Paul is hurt. He's not going to come out the game. He did not pass half court on that last play, knowing it was a desperation play. He is hurt. You're going to have to take Chris Paul off of the court. Well, they might have to drag him because you know he's not going to come off the court. But he is hurt right now. 
limping, walking gingerly and slowly to the sideline. Again, look at the play on the other half of the court. This is the most important play of the game because Golden State can take the lead with 40 seconds left. You know Chris Paul has to be agonizing in pain right now in order for him not to get back on defense. And it looks like it's the hamstring as well, the way he's holding it. Oh, man. And when there's no contact, as you know, Reg, sometimes those can be some of the scariest injuries for us players when you go up and you hurt yourself and it was no contact. No contact injury, hamstring injury, and as they say, as Drake once said, nothing was the same for the Rockets. They go on to lose the next couple of games, and look, man, Adam, that's the last time that I really felt like the Rockets could win the championship. The The following year, and we talked about this early in the show, the following year, they were still serious. They were still a serious team. I even think a lot of people sleep on the Russell Westbrook year because it's Russell Westbrook and he's polarizing, because that trade was objectively objectively bad that the Rockets made independent of Russell Westbrook's performance. The trade was objectively bad. Um, and then COVID happened. The pandemic happens. The bubble happens. And just a lot happened. The, the Clint Capella trade happened before the before COVID and before the pandemic, all of that. Like a lot happened after that. I still, I still thought they were serious, but I didn't feel like they could win the championship and, and have, this kind of conviction in me that the Rockets were a title contender. The last time was that moment. Well, somewhere around that moment between that injury and five years ago yesterday when they actually lost game seven. I thought 2019, they had a chance, especially once Kevin Durant got hurt during game five of that series with the Warriors, even after the Rockets lost that game, they were still coming home to play game six. No Kevin Durant. Yeah. And Kevin Durant probably wasn't going to play game seven either. So I thought they had a chance. Then they were playing. They were probably the hottest team in the league going into that postseason. And they got through Utah pretty quickly. They got yeah. through Utah in five games. Um, they won the first three games of that series, and they probably could have stolen at least one of those first two games in Golden State. Um, there was the first game where some of the officiating was a little iffy, and, uh, and James Harden had the thing with the eyes. They came back to tie the series, and then they lost it. They lost the final two games, but I thought that team certainly had a chance. They would have beaten Portland uh, in the Western Conference Finals had they gotten there. I don't know if they would have beaten Toronto, but that team was still very good. Yeah. And then obviously it's it's been a pretty quick decline since, or it was a quick decline uh, going from, you know, losing in the second round, the Westbrook year, and then not even being anywhere close to being in the playoffs the three years since. Um, but yeah, that that's the best team. That 2018 team is the best team that they have had since Akeem Olajuwon retired. Yeah. And, and it's really not even close. I mean, um, that's the best hardened team. Uh, by far, that's the most games they've won in franchise 64 history. 64 or 65. They won 65 games, yeah. most in franchise history by a lot, by a big margin. I mean, the, the 94 team won 58 games. So, I mean, that's that's a seven-win you know improvement right there. Uh, that was a really good team, a team that any other year probably wins a championship. I think that's probably why 2019 felt different, because 2018 happened. You could maybe say it was a little jaded. Well, and and so, not to interrupt. No, you, no, no, absolutely. Go ahead. They they also screwed up the off season. Yeah, they let Trevor Reza go. They, they let so they start the next year eleven and fourteen, and now all of a sudden they're the four seed because of that bad start. And they they uh they they were the four seed. They get one more win. They're the two seed, and they avoid the Warriors until the conference finals. 
and because of how they handled the offseason where um, they did not bring back Ariza, who was kind of their defensive fulcrum, then what happened is the next year. They are 11-14. and 14. The defense is an absolute travesty because they thought that they could replace Trevor Ariza with Carmelo Anthony and James Ennis, and that didn't work. Not at and all. And so now you're, you're climbing out from this deep hole, and it was amazing that they even got to the four seed, and much less they were a shot away from being the two seed. But if they take that offseason a little bit more seriously, if they get off to a better start, they're the two seed. And that's I think that's why it was a little bit different back then. Yeah, that even saying that, though, is hard to stomach the idea. Like maybe it's because you were that close. You're a non-contact injury away from feeling like you actually make the finals. But. It, it feels like you should do everything you can to keep that intact, to not just like Trevor Reza was an important piece of that team to just feel like, oh, we're just going to replace him with James Ennis and, and Carmelo Anthony, who, you know, like Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony was one of my favorite players early in his career. But like they signed Carmelo Anthony, I felt like four or five years too late, you know, like, hey, hey man, that ship has sailed. Like the idea that they would, sort of it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas renege on what got them so close to the finals and think that this sort of patchwork idea was going to, was going to be it. I guess I just couldn't believe in it. And, and, you know, even when Kevin Durant goes down in the, you know, the following year, the the year where it felt like they might've still had a chance. It felt like the year before was such a better chance for them. Now, Now, obviously Kevin Durant was not hurt, so they didn't have that going for him, but it felt like, what they had going for themselves was so much better from a roster construction, from a team chemistry standpoint, it, that really felt like their best chance. When you, when you compile the regular season wins and obviously getting that three, two lead, it just felt like the perfect storm. And to not maybe, maybe to not be able to take advantage of that situation felt like, Hey, if, if not now, then perhaps never that's, that's sort of what the feeling was. It's like, hey, that was that was our shot. And certainly the way Chris Paul kind of declined from there before having the resurgence in Oklahoma City and then uh, and then in Phoenix, it felt like, okay, this this opportunity, this window was short to begin with or or small to begin with, and we just missed it. Yeah, and that, but that's the case though with most teams is that the window is incredibly small, and you have to take advantage of that window when it's there. That's why. You know, this we've seen Boston kind of compete now for a while. Yeah. It could all be gone very quickly. Um, This Denver window, it could all be gone. All it takes is one injury or one free agent. You know, know, this stuff, it it all happens so very fast. You know, the Clippers, I think everybody thought, hey, this 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 window would be open for a long time with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And that hasn't materialized. I think people thought with Phoenix, hey, the Suns window wide open, going to be good for a long time. And that hasn't materialized. So. You have to whenever you have that one chance, you have to take advantage of it because you might not get another one unless you have an all-time great player, unless you have a LeBron James or you have a Stephen Curry, because otherwise it's not guaranteed that you're gonna get multiple chances at it. We mentioned the 
error in not bringing back Trevor Ariza, or at the very least thinking that the replacement for Trevor Ariza, the adequate replacement for him, would be some combination of Carmelo Anthony and James Ennis. So that's one thing. Mark that off. Not great. Ideally, they bring back Trevor Ariza. Okay. What if, when it comes time to trade Chris Paul to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Russell Westbrook because that partnership between Westbrook, I'm sorry, between Paul and James Harden had sort of deteriorated. I think this was, this. you, you correct me if I'm wrong on this, this was the postseason, or I should say the post-game press conference where Harden's like, I know what we need to do. And he doesn't tell anybody what we need to do. And then the next thing you know, what they needed to do was trade it, uh, Chris Paul. Well, that, that's the right sequence, right? Yeah, it, that it, that was a weird day. Um, just to kind of take you behind the scenes of it. Yeah. Because so they lose game six, and it was a surprise. They they were up at half. I think all these games kind of start with the Rockets being up at halftime and just not being able to hold on. Well, they were playing the Warriors, and they have a third quarter thing. But Harden and, and Paul got into it in the locker room after the game, and. One of the things that I'll always remember from this is that Mike D'Antoni did his post-game press conference. And normally, the coaches go, and then you'll get some players. Chris Paul was waiting at the door for Mike D'Antoni's press conference to end so he could do his. And then he just left. Like, he did not stick around at all. He got out of that arena very quickly. And then that's when you started hearing all the stuff about Paul and Harden not liking each other and all this stuff about how they might there might be a trade, whatever. And then it happened at Summer League where they actually made, I was at Summer League when this happened, where they made the trade for Westbrook. And it just happened, it happened, it did, it happened very quickly. Yeah. So, because this, this was after Oklahoma City had traded Paul George. This is after the Kawhi yeah. Leonard stuff. And it felt like Westbrook was going to get traded, but the team that he was going to get traded to was Miami. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's he winds up with the Rockets. Right, right. And even, I can remember the media day at that point, because uh, I am around by this point, I remember the media day where, you know, James Harden is kind of gloating about that chance to go get Russ because, you know, Paul George is out. Now it looks like Oklahoma City is blowing everything up. But my question to you is, what if, I don't know if what if or could have is the best way to preface the question, but you'll see where I'm going with this. What if or could have Tillman Pertita, Rockets management, when James Harden says or however it goes down, hey, we're let's trade. Chris Paul, what if or could they have just said no? Like yeah. <laughs> that that to me is the is the ultimate hypothetical is like well the ultimate hypothetical is what if Chris Paul's hamstring is still intact in 2018. But another one sort of underrated is and and that brings us to where we are today with the awful trade that brought Russell Westbrook here and again Russell Westbrook was good here it was just the trade that brought him here that was no good. But what if they could just have the wherewithal to just say, you know what? We don't like Chris Paul's contract anymore for, for his age and health, but we ain't trading the contract and draft picks just to get rid of it, you know, or just to bring, just to make you happy. Like part of me wishes, and maybe this is some of the resentment for, for James Harden as well, for running over the organization or being able to have his way with the organization as often Superstar players do, I should add. But it feels like, especially in retrospect, that they could have just been like, you know what? No. No. We we went to the 
Western Conference Finals and were a game away from the finals two seasons ago. And if it wasn't for the error of our own ways, we could have been closer or just as close this year. And we were competitive against the Warriors again and were, you know, a, 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 top, a top four seed again. So we're going to run this back and keep trying at it. We're going we're gonna to try to improve the team by adding players, not taking them away. Well, the thing is, I think ownership was all for it. Oh, yeah. No, and, no they totally were. He's, that's the issue. He said it was the worst con- uh, yeah. contract in sports or something to that effect. So, I mean, obviously there was some pressure to get that contract off the books. They had somebody. This was the what they talked about with Westbrook is that, okay, we, we trade for Westbrook. Now, all of a sudden, our two best players are, yeah, they're in their 30s, but they're not in their mid-30s. And so it kind of felt like, okay, well, we just made our window. Oh, we opened the window a little bit wider. We gave ourselves a couple more years because – at the time, Harden, I think, was 30 and Westbrook was 31. You know, there was, you know, they were right at the doorstep of 30, not where Chris Paul is 34. And so it kind of felt like, okay, our window has now been open for a little bit longer. Unfortunately for them, it lasted a year and then they were both gone. What is the timeline? We got like a minute left. What's the timeline from here to there? We talk a lot about phase two of the rebuild. What, is it, what does that exactly mean? What is the Rockets' timeline to relevancy? Are we just talking about, like, next year being be a bubble team and that and that is an accomplishment? Or or I say a bubble team, but I mean a play-in team is what I'm trying to say. Like, what what is the timeline that we're even talking about? It, it depends on the players. Yep. If those guys develop, then they could be better. They, it's kind of what we just talked about with the Texans. You know, the second-year guys, if they're better, the Texans can go from three wins to nine wins maybe. If – the guys that are on the roster improve and improve, you know, at a significant rate. Yeah, they could be really, and they're, and those guys are talented too. So it's not like impossible, but it's going to be tough. And the other problem that you have is that all these teams in the West are really good. And I don't think aside from maybe one or two, none of these teams are getting worse. So not only are you having to win more games, you're having to climb above other teams that are already better than you. So that, now your back is really good. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the wall. We got to face the reality of it. And you and I are a lot, you know, less emotionally detached to this than, say, a lot of the Rockets fans who are offended by the way that James Harden left this city three years ago. But we got to acknowledge this reality that there's mutual interest between James Harden and the Houston Rockets and what their offseason looks like, like how they change the complexion of this team going into next season. I think has a lot to do with whether this Harden thing is happening or not. Would you say, would you say that that's, that that's fair enough to say like, like Harden, not to say that if they get Harden, they're not going to do this or that, but like Harden is kind of the base, the, 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 the starting point of what this offseason is for the, for the Rockets. I, I don't know because it comes after the draft, you know, the way that the offseason is ordered, where the draft comes first and then free agency. So I don't necessarily agree with that. But but you, but you you don't think that they're not going to operate on draft night with some feeling 
with some feeling on what they I'm not trying to accuse them of ter- I don't know what would even be the the implications of that. But you've got to figure there's got to be some communication or some feeling for what for which way the wind is blowing with this guy. I feel like in all likelihood, but I don't know that for sure. And I'm yeah. sure that plenty of other teams have operated under the assumption that, you know, one thing was going to happen in free agency. And then the exact like like when LeBron James left Cleveland the first time, I don't think they had any inclination that was going to happen. I don't, now, I don't know how that would have shaped, you know, the rest of what they would have done that offseason. But I don't think that you can necessarily go into it until uh, I think that you have to just work the draft and handle that part of your offseason and then worry about free agency. I don't think if I'm them. I don't think I can go into anything with the assumption that James Harden is or isn't coming back unless he sends you some sort of a message that he that you know one of the two things is happening. All right, I'm going to preface this discussion with this. Adam Spillane and I both have been pretty open on the H-Town Hoops podcast and in other places that the James Harden Houston Rockets reunion makes a lot of sense despite a lot of the noise and energy around it, okay? It makes a lot of sense for basketball reasons. And just to be clear, these two parties think fondly of each other. You can like that. You can dislike that. Think whatever you want about it. But we're just here to speak to you the reality. So that's the reality of the situation. Want to preface that or preface this conversation by saying that. Now, Let's do a little pros and cons, beard or no beard. I'll start with Adam's going to do the pros. I'll do the cons. So I'm going to start with the cons and allow Adam to respond and and or offer a pro. All right. So first con on signing James Harden, the money. It's too expensive for the age that he's going to be by the end of it. Of course, we're talking 200 plus million dollars over four years, more than likely. And hey, James Harden is, let's see, I'm 34. So James Harden's got to be somewhere around there. 33, 34. I think he'll be 34 later on this year. So do you want to pay James Harden 40 plus 50, whatever, whatever much money would be by the time he's 38, the back end of a $200 million contract at age 38 what say you to a con like that this is the only con to me like this is it this is the only one i don't think the rest of them really have any validity to them that being said we're gonna shoot we're gonna shoot them down anyway though i I don't think when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply I don't think it's a guarantee that it's going to take the four years. So if you tell me four year max, that's different than maybe four years and a hundred, you know, there's, so there's a lot of different ways that this could look. So if it's a four year max, yeah, that's a big con. Like it, it just is. That being said, you have the cap space. You got to spend it on somebody. And I just don't know if you're going to have those sorts of options out there. That would be better. Um, We've, we've, there, are, there are other players out there for sure 
but are they going to be at that sort of a level? And James Harden is the best free agent out there. Like, he is going to be the best free agent out there this summer. You could roll that cap space over a year if you want to. I think that option is there. They certainly, it doesn't sound like they have any inclination to do that. And maybe you wait and maybe you make a run at Jalen Brown when he becomes a free agent next summer. But that's taking a risk if you because you might wind up with nobody. And now all of a sudden you have your caps. You you basically wasted your cap space because that disappears once you have to start signing your rookies or not your rookies, but the guys on your roster to their rookie extensions. And now you've wasted this opportunity. So to me, the 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 money and what it might cost you in the investment, that is the only con to this. All right. And but I don't know if it matters. Yeah, well, and that's what I was hitting on earlier is that it perhaps won't because maybe management decides that the reward that they're getting on the front end is worth either paying on the back end or having to figure out a solution on the back end to, I don't know, maybe you're just doing a salary dump, trading the contract away if you can do it or what have you. We've seen that before, so that could that could be in the cards. All right, here's another comment. But let me, okay, let ahead, me, ahead, let me just add this too. Go ahead, go ahead. The hope is that the guys that you already have, you know, the Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. and Tari Eason and Alperin Shingoon and KJ Martin and yep. whoever they pick at four and whoever they pick at 20, that those guys are good enough to where Harden's contract in two years won't matter at all. Yeah. And he's basically just, maybe he, like you said, he, he just becomes a contract that you can trade if you want to try and, and land another player. So Harden becomes important the first two years of the contract. The hope is that the other guys are ready to really take over for him the last two years and paying Harden way too much money isn't quite that big a deal. Yeah, because it's important to keep in mind, if you were to sign James Harden, if the Rockets were to sign James Harden this offseason, he would come on the team and immediately be their best player. Yes. But... Two years from now, three years from now, if he's still your best player or were to still be your best player, you'd have much bigger problems on your hands than James Harden's contract because the implication is that those guys aren't good enough. Yeah, you either picked the wrong guys or did not develop them properly. Yes. Fair enough to say? Exactly. Okay. Another con. And this is just to throw it out there because we know it is out there. We've seen it. James Harden dribbles the ball too much, is too ball dominant, and therefore would stunt the growth of said developing players that we were just talking about. Yeah, that's that's just stupid. I mean, in, in all honesty, it, it's stupid. I've heard it, I, 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 and look, I don't disagree with you, but I've heard it from smart basketball people, people who play basketball, people who watch a lot of basketball, people who know basketball. I've heard it, and I just, I'm... I'm very surprised by it, I would say, that that's the analysis from people who actually watch. Not not folks that, that attach themselves to narratives and kind of pair it what they hear, but people who actually study the game to a degree. James Harden assists per game since leaving the Rockets. Uh, let's see, 2020-2021 with Brooklyn, 10.9. Uh, last year with Brooklyn and Philly, 10.3. This season with Philly, 10.7 which led the league and he has led the league. He led the league in assists with the Rockets in 2017 with 11.2. That's not a ball hog. That's a guy who understands how to run an offense and get you into an offense. Does he dribble the ball a lot to get himself shots? Absolutely. He does. But if you have other guys who can make plays and, you know, and finish other stuff, 
then he's going to get them the basketball. So he was not the best player on his team this past season. He did not take the most shots. If he's the best player, oftentimes he's going to take the most shots. The hope is that he puts these guys in position to get really good shots, and eventually he doesn't have to be the best player on the offense. Yeah, man. I, As somebody that has been doing a little bit of memory lane for when the Rockets were good, and it's not an emotional attachment to James Harden or anything, man. It is, it is more of a, hey, I want to watch good basketball on a regular basis again, and not just on TV, but the – the games that are closest to me, you know, so the NBA games that are closest to my house are played at Toyota Center, and I like the NBA. So I want to go and be able to go driving distance to a quality NBA game, you know, more than anything. Okay, so I, I've been doing a lot of reminiscing and and looking back on it on those days, and people, I feel like, have so easily and readily forgotten how good those Rockets teams were and not just how good they were. I'm talking about the, you know, this more recent James Harden run with, you know, let's call it, you know, 2018, 2019 specifically, not just how good they were, but why they were good because they had a guy who could draw the attention of a defense and had the presence of mind to find the open guy with the right timing. I mean, you go back and look at that run. The one we did memory lane five year anniversary of the, collapse in 2018 the pj tuckers of the world luke and Mute before uh the the injury gerald green trevor ariza you know i almost had even forgotten about trevor ariza second i'm like how could i forget about trevor ariza it's like hey man these guys had excellent shooting performances at times because of the penetration and kick that james harden was providing it seems like because he dribbled so much and because he did a lot of those drawing the foul acting jobs that aesthetically people just grew a distaste for his game and sort of just discredited it for what it actually was. And do you know how much money he made Clint Capella just with the Clint, lobs? Clint Capella. I, I, I played those those pieces of sound earlier. Yeah, for sure. James Harden is probably he not he's not the best passer in the NBA. That's probably Jokic or LeBron or somebody like that. He's right up there. Like, just the passes are on target when he makes them. And if you make yourself available and he's going to find you. Um, so the whole, no. And I, I don't get how you stunt a player's development if you're getting him open looks. Like, you, you can stunt a player's development by putting him in a position where he cannot succeed. But if you put a player in a position where he is playing with one of the best basketball players of his era who is going to put him in the right places offensively and teach him quite a bit, I don't know how that stunts Jalen Green's development or how that stunts Jabari Smith's Smith's development. Yeah, well, you and I talked about this on our more recent episode of H-Town Who's Podcast, but I think part of it right now, or part of the concern that I would have... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Is that Jalen Green doesn't really do much 
off the ball or doesn't seem to have developed much off the ball. But as we as we discuss, that's more of a Jalen Green and developmental problem, more of a hey, learn how to be yeah. better off ball. Set a screen. So or, or set a screen or uh cuts. How about the fact that you're more than likely faster than the than the guy that's on the other side of you? Like Jalen Green himself, speed wise, athletically, nine times out of ten is going to be in the athletic mismatch. So why don't you exploit that? Why don't y'all run plays that exploit that? Set a, someone set a screen for you, and you know, work on your catch and shoot game. You know, work on your cutting game. Get some easy buckets to get you in rhythm since your jump shot is inconsistent. You know, like I think about different ways that they could sort of work around that. But certainly you hear that a lot, that James Harden's a ball stopper and somehow it's going to hurt everybody else around him from getting opportunities. That wasn't the – it seemed to work out. Look, James Harden and Chris Paul, two ball-dominant guards that almost went to the damn NBA Finals before Chris Paul's hamstring decided to give out on him on a non-contact injury. So, I mean, those two guys were able to do it. You know, and I know they didn't get along personally at the end there, but basketball wise, they were they were able to coexist because they were smart basketball players. The idea is that James Harden and hopefully Ime Udoka as well could help these young players become smarter, not just better, but smarter, which translates to better, uh, smarter basketball players. He might be a ball stopper. Uh, that's a perfectly fine you know way to put it. He also is the leader of elite offenses. And, you know, they played, you know, Philly played at one of the slowest paces in the league this past season. They also had the third best offense. So I, I don't care if they play slow as long as the offense is good. Now, if you're going to play slow and the offense is bad, then what's the point? The Rockets played at a pretty fast pace this past season. They had an awful offense. So what's the point? Like the the, the goal is to put the ball in the basket and to score points. If you're not doing that and playing fast, then what is the point? If you're doing that and playing slow, then fine. I just that that's befuddling to me. I'm gonna give you one more shortcoming, and this one came up on the text line. I had it already, but sure enough, you know, and one more con here. Of course, this was gonna come up from the seven one three on the trailer wheel and frame text line. Wheel and frame. From the seven one three, he says. I'd rather suffer another year than bring Harden back. And then here's the kind that I want to throw to you. This might be my favorite one. And when I say favorite, I mean, I hate it. His playoff shortcomings disgust me. Okay. <laughs> and we, you and I, it's funny we're looking at each other because we've had this discussion on the podcast as well. But please respond to the idea that the Rockets, who struggled to win 20 games a season over the last few years, the idea that they would be worried about someone's playoff shortcomings as if they are competing in the playoffs. The Rockets would kill to have their best player fail in Game 7 of the conference semifinals right now yeah, man. because they have been completely irrelevant. They just want to get there. They're not worried about winning it right now. They just want to be in a position where they can get their players in, in uh, important playoff minutes or high-leverage minutes in games that actually matter and James Harden helps you get there. Now, whether or not he gets you over the hump, that's not the concern right now. The concern is getting these guys those reps because Jalen Green has been in the NBA for two years. He has not played in a game that matters. Probably the most important game that Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun have played in the last two years is the Rising Stars Challenge. That's it. So, yeah. like, when you have won 22 games, 
what a guy does in the playoffs does not matter. They are just trying to get there. And that's what and James Harden helps you get there. Is he going to help you win? I don't know. That's not the concern right now. The concern right now is getting there, getting these guys some playoff experience, and then hopefully when the Jalen Greens and the Jabari Smiths and the whoever they draft in this draft uh, uh, next month, once those guys are good and you hope that they develop the right way, then you don't need Harden as much. You don't need him. He's just kind of an ancillary piece by that point. But right now, you're just trying to get to the point where you were playing competitive games in January. Last year, they started the season 2-12. and 12. The season's over by that point. The year before, they were 1-16. The season's over. You're not playing for any... That's a that's a, that's most of your season where you're not playing for anything. So you just need to be in the opportunity because the, the best way to hurt a guy's development is to have him in a position where the games don't matter. And that's what the Rockets have been the last two years. The games have not mattered essentially from Thanksgiving on. Earlier in the show, Adam, I took us down the trip back down memory lane and revisited the five-year anniversary or on the five-year anniversary of them blowing the 3-2 lead against the the Golden State Warriors. I revisited that not just to wallow in misery, but also to think of a time when they were playing relevant basketball and longing for a time when they could choke a 3-2 lead in a conference finals, because that means you were there. That means you were doing the right things. Maybe it didn't work out for you, but you were pretty damn close. And that's really all you can ask for.